of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. We gather this next hour around the gift of the inspired and true Word of God and the Word made flesh, our Lord Jesus Christ, who shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome him. The light shines on us today from Galatians chapter 2. Paul continues to prove his apostleship and that he not only received a direct revelation from the Lord Jesus, but today we hear of his approval in Jerusalem from the apostles themselves. This approval, however, had a stipulation. What was it? We'll find out today, so stay tuned. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thy Strong Word is graciously underwritten in part by Lutheran Heritage Foundation. For more information, visit lhfmissions.org, lhfmissions.org. To help us to be strengthened in Christ by his word, we have back with us Pastor Curtis Dieterding of Zion Lutheran Church in Fort Myers, Florida. Pastor Dieterding, welcome to Thy Strong Word. Thank you, and uh, it's good to be here again this week. And uh, uh, this is a this is a challenging uh, chapter that we're about ready to approach here in chapter two in Galatians. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> as uh, Paul is up against uh, a false teaching today, so you know it is fascinating too. Reading um, uh, Dr. Doss's commentary, we had Dr. Doss on to start us off with Galatians that some of the things he said about this portion is that there's a lot of, and I don't know all the details, I tried to look them up, there's a lot of Greek questions about, is that word there? Is this, why is this such a run, a long run-on sentence uh, and that's going on? But at the same time, there's a lot that goes on and explains even better chapter one. So, uh, Pastor, anything else you want to share? What's going on for you? Um, yeah, that's just, you know, <laughs> I, know it's, I know you guys don't really pity us much with the weather down here, but uh, it did, it has actually gotten so cold that it got into in the inner, in the inland parts of where I live, uh, it did get down to the low thirties and frost and all that yesterday. So, oh and then again, this morning they had a little bit of it, uh, in inland as well, but, uh, that's really, really getting cold down here when it finally hits those kinds of temperatures. It has not been that cold since I've lived here, so uh, it, it it definitely uh, was was a wake up call for right. us uh, that uh, there is cold weather yet in the world. Well, absolutely, and um, I guess I don't know how to say it, but it, that is a problem for that kind of climate. Let's put it that way. That is a problem for us. It just means that mosquitoes are not coming back anytime soon. So we give thanks <laughs> to our Lord right. for that. <laughs> well, Pastor, as we look at Galatians chapter 2, can you begin us in prayer? Let's do. Dear Lord, we praise you and thank you for the Apostle Paul, for the other apostles, for the prophets that have given us the truth of your word that we might continue to know what your will is for us in our lives, in this wonderful gift of grace that you have given to us through faith and the power of your Spirit. We pray that that Holy Spirit will continue to move again this day through your Word, that we might grow in the very grace that you have given to us in Christ Jesus, and that we might know its truth, and that that truth may continue to set us free to live as God's children that others, too, might know this truth and know of the salvation that is ours in your dear Son, Jesus, in whose precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. 
I like how you said in, in the prayer that you or you prayed this morning about the freedom we have in Christ. That is a, a common theme that we see throughout Galatians. This is obviously why um, Paul's, or no, excuse me, uh, Luther's works, Galatians, the Galatians works of Luther's works, the commentary is so beloved in the realm of, of Christianity and obviously in Lutheranism, especially Galatians 5, for freedom Christ has set us free. This is a different freedom than we think of as Americans. It's a freedom that we have in Christ from sin, death, and damnation. So as we look at today's uh, text, uh, do you want to start us off with some background contextual things that's going to help us get started? Well, I think that you, you've, you've already started to probably cover the introduction to the Galatians, and for those who are, might be listening today that uh, were not familiar with that, uh, there, was an, there was an issue uh, in Galatia uh, that Paul needed to address, and that was he discovered that there were people that were teaching a different gospel. There was actually an underlying um, infiltration of the truth that he had already brought concerning the gospel, and now um, he is he is coming now in this letter to address that, to make sure that people truly understand that uh, the only gospel that we listen to, the only gospel that uh, is true for us in our lives is that which comes directly from God. And of course, he, uh, he emphasizes that what he's teaching them is not from another man, and that was also in that first chapter. He wanted to stress that this was from a revelation that he received from God. And that this is how God wants his church to, to live as forward. And so uh, we see that he kind of lays out uh, for us here. And as we go through this, he's going to actually talk about the actual problem itself as we approach this particular chapter, which is one of the, the, the keeping of the law versus uh, the true gospel. And so that's the challenge. The challenge is based especially upon whether or not uh, one must be circumcised uh, if we know Christ Jesus and the gospel, um, because the law stated that uh, one must be uh, circumcised. And so there's a challenge for, for Paul here in trying to clarify uh, what truly is God's law, what's his, what is its work in our life, and then also the gospel. And, he, and he's going to do that all the way through this letter, uh, but that's kind of where we're going to get started today is in the, on that very issue. Absolutely. And, and it, it's so important, and you said that so well with the understanding of this wasn't a disagreement over can we have pork at the potluck um, type right. of argument or problem. Yeah. This is not carpet issues. This was That's why he doesn't even begin with a thanksgiving for the Galatians in chapter one, <laughs> which he does in every other epistle. Mm -hmm. and he says, I am astonished. I just think about that. You know, if we started our, um, our sermons with that, I'm astonished at you. <laughs> Later on, he says, oh, you foolish Zioners or you foolish Messiah yeah. folk, you know, that we have in our church. But he's very direct, yeah. and but he but he peels back once again verses eleven through twenty four. Peels back. Okay, this is where my authority is. My authority is from the Lord Jesus, and and mm -hmm. now in chapter two he he peels back even more where that authority comes, and what the authority is. So this is like you said, this is a fascinating text, and so let's let's just dig in here. 
Um, reminder to our listeners that we'll be reading from the English Standard Version, and we'll just start with verse 1. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. So we'll just do verse 1. Any, where do you want to start with this, Pastor? Well, there's, there's all kinds of, uh, you know, relationship uh, here between Barnabas and Titus and, and with Paul. And it probably would be helpful to have a little bit more of an understanding of that. On his missionary journeys, of course, uh, he had different uh, folks that would be with him along the way. And uh, Barnabas was one of these. Um, you know, he's the, the encourager. You know, that's, a, that's what he's known uh, as. Uh, and, and also Titus, who is another uh, letter. It's another letter in, of course, the New Testament into which uh, uh, Paul writes to him when he is in his parish in his uh, new church as well. So, I mean, you've got men that are with him that know the truth, uh, that have learned that truth of the revelation, which Paul has. And so they're there for support, too, and, and strong support. In, uh, and, and, of course, they also are learning themselves along the way as they are also teachers and uh, leaders within the church. You know, it makes me wonder sometimes a little bit of what did, what did Barnabas and Titus and Paul talk about on these travels? I mean, this is the kind of fun stuff I think about the humanness of of these epistles is that we read them as if it's a far off, you know, it's not a real person, but just think about what did they talk about this whole time? Okay. What are you going to say? Uh, Titus, you're not circumcised. What are you going to say? Barnabas, you know, you're one of us. Okay. Mm-hmm. What are you going to say? Are we, what are we going to do when we see Cephas? What are we going to do when we see James and John? I just, I think about these, we would see them as rock stars in the biblical narrative. Um, but these were normal people. So I, that has nothing to do with anything. I just I think about the humanness of this all the time. Um, Barnabas obviously was uh, had been active in the Galatian church. He was an important part. Titus was uncir- like an uncircumcised convert. I mean, so he had a, a play in this as well to show not only um, Barnabas is part of us Jewish people, you know, the background Titus is not. Mm-hmm. And so there he goes. And there must have been some strategy on that. Any thoughts on that? Well, you also have uh, you also have Peter up there in Jerusalem, and Peter is he is a Hebrew and he is a, a Jewish by background, so uh, he knows that law, and uh, that's why he was so, so supportive of that law too. That 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 needed to still be done, uh, even even though Christ, even though you have faith in Christ Jesus. So that, that, that created confusion, because now it's like, okay, well, then you need to believe in Jesus, and you need to be, sac- uh, and you need to be circumcised. Um, so, you know, this is something where Paul had to face this. And, and, and it, to me, I mean, it, it seems like it would be obvious what they were talking about while they were, while they were going up to Jerusalem uh, right. was because um, of this issue, this whole issue, just like, like you pointed out. So. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And did they, did they tell dad jokes on the way? Who knows what they did? Who knows? <laughs> um, okay, so let's let's keep moving on. Oh, one step back is in, ver- in chapter one, he is speaking about how my authority comes from Jesus. My connection is not to the apostles, because there probably was some argumentation going on about, well, you're just saying what the apostles want you to say, but he proves his apostleship, and he shows, no, this came from Jesus himself. Now, in an interesting way of writing, Paul is arguing that, see, I also have 
the approval of the apostles. And so he just makes some interesting arguments here to the Galatian church. Once again, we can only guess on exactly what the arguments were against him. But here we're seeing him going to the apostles in Jerusalem. So let's continue on mm -hmm. verses two and three. I went up because of a revelation and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. The language in these verses are kind of clunky. Um, they're kind of odd. What what do you want to do with this here? Verses two and three. Well, you know, it, it it's the knowledge of the gospel. You know, what do people know truly of the truth of the gospel? And obviously, they're going through a phase between, you know, people who have grown up and know the law and their relationship to that law. Now they come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, the one who's Messiah of Christ who was sent. And now uh, things have changed. They haven't caught the change of the understanding of the laws of what they were accustomed to following and and the freedom that they now have in Jesus Christ. And that is the biggest yeah. that is the biggest uh, problem here in this. I mean Think about it. If you were raised in a one faith, believing, uh, you know, one thing about your relationship with God based upon the law, and then Jesus comes along, and now, because these are people that are actually experiencing both sides, just like Paul did. You know, Paul experienced that growing up, and then came to faith through the power of the Holy Spirit and God at work in his life. And now that's what's happening here, trying to help them understand that this is now a new way of of praising and worshiping God, of living our life in relationship to our Lord. It's not one based on just strictly the law, because that just leaves us dead in our sins. That leaves us not connected with God. But that promise that they held to now has been fulfilled in Christ Jesus, and it does make a different relationship with God based on grace now, and that's what Paul's trying to bring to bear here. You know, and I heard... You know, that Galatians is the unveiling of what God's grace means. Mm -hmm. And that's and that's a key thing because you know, you, you have this Jewish understanding of things that they would have maybe used words like grace, but the grace was now different. It was not on account of the law, it was account of Christ, you know, the gospel, mm -hmm. faith that God gives you. And so that is a that is a really good point to talk about the grace that gets revealed here and when they go to jerusalem they are it's almost like a complete culture shift they grew, jewish people grew up their whole lives saying I'm, I'm with abraham um you do circumcision this is a very important part it's not just like we're going to go have dinner afterwards it says this is part of who you are and now tell me if, tell me if this is where where, where we, we, we can go with this now people are in this church in galatia and there's gentiles there and you're trying to tell me they don't have to have that <laughs> that would be right. culturally difficult let alone faith difficult any thoughts on That's that right. those difficulties yeah i mean I, I think you make a great point there it's not just 
it's not just um, the religious understanding of what's going on here, but just the, the cultural understanding too, the, the ethnic understanding of things, you know, between Jews and Greeks, uh, very, very different worlds that they uh, came up in as well. And so, um, you know, this, this whole problem of the uh, of circumcision is, more, is based on keeping of the law. And that whole keeping of the law, which uh, was central for uh, the, the Israelites and the Jewish folks as they were coming through, and then Jesus comes along, um, that, that I, you know, I even, I've, I've sat and thought about that. How, how hard would that change be to try to understand that we have a different relationship with the law than we had before? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's what Paul is really struggling with here. And, you know, that still carried into the church for centuries after that. That battle still was there, that you still needed to, uh, to have works that uh, are pleasing to God, along with the faith that you have, kind of a, uh, a synchronizing of the two in order to be found in favor with God to still go into heaven. I mean, this is, a, this is an age-old uh, issue, which still exists even in Christian churches today. So you're, this is not, this isn't something that just happened back then, and all oh, then everybody came to a full understanding of the truth of God's Word, and, and no other gospel was ever preached again. It's still happening today. We still have other, another gospel, a different gospel being preached, uh, even among those who are connected with um, the whole Christian family. And so this battle really in different forms, in different ways, has taken place throughout the church even up to today. Well, he says in verse 1, but even if, if we or another, an angel from heaven should preach to a different gospel, gospel contrary to the one we preached to you, let him be yeah. accursed. So it's a reminder that, um, that the gospel can easily be changed. And it's as simple as this, where if someone says, uh, Jesus, Jesus' cross for your forgiveness and something else. <laughs> you know, it, it's as easy as saying that, or we add the buts into the conversation. Yes, Jesus, but also this. And and this is so difficult because our understanding of life is I do this and then I do this, as opposed to the gospel is it's done. It's done. So this would be difficult on every level, especially faith, because I think it's hard for us now to understand that Jesus has done everything mm-hmm. the full sufficiencies on the cross. Um, so that any last thoughts on verses two and three are are kind of interesting. I'll, I'll say this is that um, he went to Jerusalem. It was revealed to him by God. We don't know how exactly that happened. Um, and then he speaks kind of my interpretation of this and in my commentaries that read, I read. It's kind of like he's, he's speaking a little bit flippantly towards the apostles uh, in the parentheses, though privately before those who seemed influential. What is he? Do you know what he's saying there? Like I said, this is kind of tough parts to understand. Probably those who um, were well received within the community is the way I've understood that, and okay. uh, would have when they speak, people are going to listen. You know, kind of like E.F. Hutton years ago, they said when E.F. Hutton speak, people listen. Well, mm. um, that you know, people who are influential, people that that others look up to. Um, is what I understood this to mean. At least uh, I did not get dig into the commentary on it, but that's uh, that's why I think I remember um, sure. uh, in my studies of this. And, and you know, I wanted to I'm, mention too. You know, 
we are so meticulous in getting it right in, in our church body. You know, when we're looking at the Bible, it is important that we get it right. And as, as important as what we're hearing in Paul's writing right here. And he does this in other letters too, because there's a lot of other conflicts that he has to address. And, and it is important that we try to get it right. And so I know that one of our practices in, uh, in studying the scripture as pastors that we're trained to do is to um, be careful not to place your own interpretation or your own understanding um, or assumptions or whatever upon the Word, but start with the Word itself. So if we're actually studying like what we're studying here in God's Word, we don't go to another man to find out what does all that mean. First, we go to the Scripture. We go there and and let Scripture interpret itself. I mean, that's a, that's a principle that we've uh, been guided by in studying the Bible. And, of course, you're going to have to look at other men's words because uh, they're, they're trying to help us to understand the connections and all that. But as long as they are faithful to the truth of what's going on uh, in God's will and in, and in His Word in the Scripture. So, yeah, so this is important, and uh, Paul makes it, makes it very uh, clear that this is important because it's going to cause division in the church uh, if we're not all on the same page of understanding God's grace. And that's why he says, you know, uh, that let him be a curse, because this isn't a matter of a different kind of gospel or kind of just a little bit different gospel. It's a whole different gospel completely. So we have to make mm-hmm. sure we're on the same page. And he's talking He's talking this way. I'm, I'm proclaiming this to the Gentiles. Let's make sure we're on the same page, that we are have the same gospel. He includes Titus says, you know, he's not being forced to be circumcised. So it's kind of like, let's just lay this on the table, say we're together in Christ, we're together in this ministry. Let's make sure we're doing it correctly. Last thoughts on, we have about a minute left here, Pastor, before our break. Any last thoughts on those first three verses? I do think they're important to set us up for the rest. Any thoughts? I just, you know, I can't reiterate what, you know, what I was saying earlier, that, you know, Paul knows the truth, he received the revelation, and it's it is his job now to bring that message clearly uh, to the people here, because they're wanting, there's a group within that church, uh, there's a group of, of Judaizers who want to actually hold on to the uh, practice of circumcision. And some of the Jerusalem leaders had received the uncircumcised Gentiles into this church, and now there's a conflict. And so Paul does need to bring clarity of what it means to follow the gospel. I remember one pastor talking about this, that, you know, they, he kind of did a, a, um, a talk where he was kind of as if he was the people in the church. And everyone, you know, they were sitting there and they said, Jesus has died for all of you. He's died for all nations. You are forgiven on account of Christ. It goes on the whole thing. And then as they're sitting there, they're like, you know, thanks be to God, saying amen, you know, those kind of things. And then one person says, but what about circumcision? And everyone kind of had that moment looking at each other like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. And that's where Paul is filling that empty space with making sure they know the truth. More to come as we need to go to our break right now. We are studying Galatians chapter 2 with Pastor Curtis Dieterding. We will be right back. <laughs>
Jesus miraculously fed 5,000 with only five loaves and two fish. At another time, he fed 4,000. Sounds like the same story, but an important detail reveals Jesus' compassion for all people, regardless of their differences. Dr. Michael Ziegler shares a story about people who had more in common than they thought, this week on The Lutheran Hour. Sundays at 12.30 and 5 p.m. on Worldwide KFUO. I'm Pastor Ken Bomberger. Join me weekday mornings at 7.15 for Oratio, your time of scripture, meditation, and music on KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Jesse Norman and a great many other singers as well are on hand to tell the world on the next Sing for Joy. Listen and be refreshed. Sundays at noon on KFUO, the messenger of good news. Welcome back. We are studying Galatians chapter 2, the first 10 verses with Pastor Curtis Dieterding. We know right now that Paul is going to Jerusalem. He is telling about how he went to Jerusalem with Titus and Barnabas. They have a mission. They have a goal. The Lord has told them to go there. And now it's becoming a lot more clear of what their goal and their purpose was. So let us read verses 4 and 5 and we'll be able to unveil even more what's happening here. Verses 4 and 5. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so that they might bring us into slavery, to them we do not yield in submission even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. He speaks about false brothers. Who are these false brothers and what are they trying to do? Well, well when he's referring to brothers, um, these would be the, the Jewish brothers. Uh, he's talking about uh, the, the ones that were labeled um, as Judaizers. And, um, and they were the, you know, they're the ones who are demanding that there needs to be circumcision among the Gentiles. And uh, it's a conspiracy. I mean, you can see this. There's a group. I mean, this is organized. And that's why this was so such a deep problem there in Galatia that he needed to approach and make sure he brought um, the understanding of what the gospel actually means and that kind of influence that it, that it needed to have on the church and not not this false and, and I, I like it, it's a false gospel because it it's kind of shrouded in the gospel, but you still have to keep the law. And that's where uh, there was a lot of uh, a lot of controversy. I could see this happening too. I'd love to hear your words on this. Is the the um, people were maybe saying who were with the Judaizers saying, you know, I mean, come on, just we want to be together on this. Just get circumcised. It's not a big deal. Just get circumcised, and we're going to be good to go. 
just just do this. What would be the problem with that? What would be the problem with that? Well, first of all, it's not according to um, God's will. And so we are literally, by doing what we're doing, uh, going against His will, when we do that, we're sinning. Uh, anytime we follow anything that's false and not according to God's will is, is sinful. And so sin needs to be addressed uh, again, just like all sin needs to be addressed. Uh, but this sin is against the gospel. And I like how he says um, in that verse 5, you know, he says, we did not yield in submission even for a moment, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. because Paul knows that uh, he has the truth of God's Word through the revelation that he receives through the power of the Holy Spirit, and he's not going to let up. You know, He's, he's going to say there is nothing to be accepted, not even a compromise. There's no compromising when it comes to God. You know, God has uh, come and done the work that he had promised would be done by Messiah, through Christ Jesus, through our Savior, and now it has changed everything for us in our relationship with, with Him, because Christ has fulfilled the law that needed to be fulfilled for our sake, that we might, um, that we might be able to be brought into um, His righteousness, His, his glory uh, in, in, in eternity. Um, so, Paul is not going to back down on anything that's going to distract us or sidestep uh, what God has done in Christ Jesus. And it's as though, oh, okay, Jesus did did uh, all the atoning work that he needed to do for you on the cross, but you still need to be, you still need to participate. You still need to somehow uh, uh, keep this part of the law. And it doesn't matter uh, which part of the law it would be. That's narrow. We will never find a path to heaven that way. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, and he alone is that path to salvation. So they're, they're trying to connect all of this together with, uh, with the gospel that Paul was preaching, but it's not the gospel that Paul is preaching. It's another gospel. It's different in that and as you, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you, and you, you said that so well that that they would not submit even for a moment. And it's, it's something for us to remember, and this is Galatians to the T, is how do we make sure we fight for the right things, <laughs> that we preserve the right things? You know, like I said, we're not yeah. talking about potlucks. We're not, you know, um, we're not talking about uh, the color of the vestments or the look of the church or something. We're talking about the essence of who we are because, and Paul really, I mean, later on in this chapter, we're not going to get to it, but he says, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. If, if you know, exactly. I, tell, I tell my confirmation kids, if you don't think you're a sinner, then there's no reason for you to have Jesus. You know, and if, if you think you have to follow the law to be saved, then Jesus died for no purpose whatsoever. That whole story, you may as well just skip Holy Week. It doesn't matter. Okay. And so he's really fighting the fight that needs to be done, which is there's only one gospel. And he's continually trying to prove it right here. Thoughts on those two? Any other thoughts as you look at those verses, Pastor? Yeah, I, I mean, just to, just to you know, add to what you just said, you know, Paul or um, Saint John actually in his uh, in his revelation, you know, sums up the entire uh, the entirety of God's word by saying, if anyone takes away from the words of mm. this book or prophecy.
Well, I can't hear him right now. Are you still there, Pastor? I think we lost him. All right, we're going to try this as we go. We are in verses we're in verses 4 and 5 of Galatians, and we had just got done talking about how uh, people had come and they're trying to spy out freedom. Pastor Dieterding said so well about the freedom that comes in Christ, and don't take freedom and then put yourself back into slavery. And how would you do that when you say it has to be Jesus plus something else? So he's fighting that the gospel might be preserved for you. This is something important for all of you, our listeners is when we are in the church, that when we serve as God's people, how can we make sure that the gospel is preserved for you and for your children and for your grandchildren and everybody else to know that it is on account of Jesus that you are saved, on account of the cross that you know you are forgiven. It's on account of his gifts that is there. So Pastor Dietering, I think you're back. I am. I, I, was, I was just asking, where was I when you heard me? Well, you were on such a roll that I can't specifically remember. I just said that I know we talked about freedom. We were talking about preserving the gospel. I was emphasizing those few moments that you were not with us about the importance of, of the gospel being very crystal clear. This is why, you know, Augsburg Confession uh, four, when it talks about justification, is so important for us to always hold on to understanding of justification by faith through Christ alone. Um, but, you know, that that's what he's fighting for, is that Christ has died for you, and don't take anything away from that. That really is where we're at. Any any last thoughts? Because I'm looking forward to the rest of these verses. I think I better be careful. <laughs> I might get cut off again. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, yeah, don't get too excited. No, let's go ahead, and, and I need to have my uh, I need to have my uh, thoughts uh, restarted yeah. here again. So why don't we go ahead and put the next verse? Awesome. So I think I think what we're going to do here is six through ten is really interesting as far as it literally is one sentence, and Paul's a tendency mm-hmm. to do this. Grammar Nazis have a real struggle with Paul sometimes because it's really one long on ongoing run-on mm-hmm. sentence so i yep. i think what i'm going to do i'm just going to read the whole thing and then we'll break it down how we want to break it down so here we go verses six through ten and from those who seem to be influential what they were makes no difference to me god shows no partiality those i say who seemed influential added nothing to me on the contrary When they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised, worked also through me for mine in the Gentiles. You know, I'm going to stop there, actually. I'm going to stop there, just because I just decided I'm going to stop there. So what's happening here? What's happening here? Now, see, as as the host, you can do that. So, um, so, so, so I'm looking at this, and I'm and I'm uh, again. You know, I think I was starting to state this before. I think some of my thoughts were coming back to what what I was saying, probably when I wasn't on the air at that point. Uh, and that is, is that um, Paul is not going to sacrifice the full gospel for anyone for anything. I mean, he he says it here. You know, again, he says it. Um, he, he doesn't, he says, I don't care if, 
if you're influential or not, it doesn't make any difference to me. God shows no partiality. I love that line mm-hmm. in there. It's just absolutely wonderful. And then he even kind of touches on the fact that, you know, Peter was, uh, you know, uh, bringing the ministry to those who were circumcised. I'm bringing it to those who are uncircumcised. It doesn't matter either way. The gospel is the gospel, and I'm not going to just— I'm not going to just add something to it or take something away from it because we believe that's the way it needs to be in order to continue a practice that was before Jesus who came and fulfilled and freed us from those things within the law. And this was one of them was this was a circumcision practice, uh, which was at one time part of our relationship uh, with God uh, now has completely changed. And this is what's really hard for them to understand and to get. And uh, he's also, I think, in a sense, really talking about, is it through Peter for his apostolic ministry, and also through uh, me for mine, which is his apostolic ministry. He's, he's, I think he's also uh, um, uh, flexing his apostolic uh, muscle here to, to let them know this, what I'm telling you is just as valid of what the other apostles are saying as well. In fact, more so because I received this revelation, and he even has to let Peter know about this too. You know, we, we'll, we'll discover that as, a little bit later on. I don't want to jump the gun here, but right. but that's right. that's where this ends up going. That even when it comes to uh, the apostles, if they were to even get off track of what God is revealing as His truth and His will. We need to take a step back and listen to what God is saying. So, you know, Paul is still letting letting everyone know that he, too, as the apostles were called by Jesus, so was he. And now he's received this revelation that uh, shows how we live in this new relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's really interesting because you might have, uh, uh, here's uh, Peter, here's James, here's John. These are the rock stars of the, the, the mm-hmm. early church. And Paul is showing very clearly that I am with them. You know, so he he's speaking that way in, in Galatians 1. He's speaking that way right here. But he's also saying they might be influential, but if they go off the rockers, I'm going to call them on it. And he does. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the, in the verses mm-hmm. after today, he calls them on it. But he also says, listen, there is a ministry going on here, circumcised uncircumcised basically takes everybody in the whole world and says we will do ministry to them i'm doing it here he's doing it there clearly paul was not a guy who like okay you're jewish i'm not talking to you you know and and peter guarantee he wasn't necessarily just throwing other people who weren't jewish under the bus and saying they're gone but that's kind of how this things naturally grew you i think i noticed mm-hmm. this in, in churches too that these are the kind of people that end up at your church. And it's not because you're saying no, only this kind, or we're going to take that kind and put it in a different room or something, but it kind of just naturally bubbled over. Um, and that's what's happening in the church, focusing on that. The, it's the gospel to the uncircumcised. It's the gospel to the circumcised. There's only one of them. Let's make sure we're on this stage because um, it's kind of like if our, our synod president or your district president came in and said that the gospel is not no longer the gospel. That's when the time Pastor Dieterding and myself need to say, yeah, no, <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. that's wrong. Right. This is the gospel, no matter who they are. Other thoughts on, I mean, this is, this is really fun. Any thoughts on those verses? Last thoughts? Well, yes. You know, when we look at these verses and it's like, well, how does this apply to us today? Um, it applies to us 
extremely well because we do every now and then. I don't know if, uh, how often you have this happen in your own congregation, but because we have such a mix of, of different churches that uh, believe in different things concerning God's Word that we know are not kosher with where, where God wants us to be as His people, and they bring that to bear and they push it uh, among members within the congregation, and all of a sudden they've got uh, a, you know a side going where they're sh- they're showing by proof texts and 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 uh, really making assumptions and 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 trying to use their own knowledge and and their own wisdom to try and figure out what a text is actually saying, and they're challenging you saying well that's not right and and they're t- challenging the pastor the one who's been called to be there to help guide them. Um, you know, we're just like that too. We have to. We 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 can't show any partiality either. Um, we need to let them know too that here's the truth of God's word and stand by that. That's why it's a, it's 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 a joy to be with a group of brothers, just like Paul was as well. Um, we too, at times, uh, don't always see eye to eye, but then we work together and we hear uh, God's truth. We point that out to one another. To where we're restored again, and Paul, or, or, or I'm sorry, um, yeah, Paul is going to go through the same thing too uh, with some of the, his brothers as well. So it is important. It's important uh, not to sidestep anything that God, uh, God's word is saying to us, even if it's on a topic like circumcision or like last Sunday when it was taught when we were hearing the uh, reading about is it okay to eat um, meat that was. Uh, sacrificed idols. And, you know, so Paul has to, he has to address a number of issues that go on in the church uh, through these letters. And and we need to pay attention and we need to continually be working together at understanding this so that we can enjoy the grace that we live under in Christ Jesus. And this is um, something that in reading uh, on these verses, in the Confessions, it speaks about ecclesiastical orders and the forcing of, of adiaphora. You know, the question of adiaphora comes into this yes. and the questions mm-hmm. of forcing confession. This is in, uh, um, uh, shoot, it's in the it's in the form of the Concord. And it, it's right. interesting because he references this and just says, listen, our focus is 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 pointing back to to Jesus. And, and, and you know, if we're going to force people to do X, and say, if you don't do this and you cannot be saved and it's not connected to Christ, which is hard to do, um, then then we have lost. We have lost the gospel and then therefore we've lost everything. And the whole book of Concord doesn't matter anymore, you know, that kind of thing. Or the whole Bible doesn't matter anymore because if it's not back to Christ doing everything, then we have lost. And that's what's beautiful here when he says God shows no partiality. It doesn't matter who's saying it. it doesn't matter of all of those things. And it's a good check for me. Um, for you, for all of us in the church, pastors, people, everybody, is are we preaching the gospel? Because the gospel is sometimes hard to preach because it goes against everything that we are, because we always want to do something as opposed to God doing something for us. So I'm just going to say that here. Preaching the gospel is hard because it's not natural to us. Any last thoughts before we move on? Um, Yeah, you know, in one way, in one of my commentaries, it had a, a Luther quote on this particular verse um, that we were talking about here in verse five that the gospel might be preserved. 
Luther writes that the truth of the gospel is this, is this, that our righteousness comes by faith alone without works of the law. The falsification or corruption of the gospel is this, that we are justified by faith, but not without the works of the law. That is what corrupts it whenever you get to that point, is whenever you try to somehow show that we are justified by works in any way, shape, form, or fashion. And that's that's the point that, that Paul is, is trying to make here, that anything that's added to, and I was talking about that earlier, just like, you know, can't add to and take away from anything in the Word of God, same goes with the gospel. Do not add to or take away what the gospel actually is for us. Um, because once you start doing that, then then the responsibility of of our salvation and our righteousness falls back on us. <laughs> well, it'll never happen because it was all fulfilled in Christ. And that's the difference of, of understanding uh, the relationship of law and gospel with, to us today. Now the law serves as uh, as a way in which we can see what God's will is for us. And now we just have this drive, this this desire to want to follow God's law on the basis of what Christ has given to us and how he has freed us from that from the curse of that law to to being able to now following that, that law uh, with a heart that is thankful and, and and filled with praise for all that Christ has done for us to, to actually fulfill that law for us. Well, let's move on to verse 9, and then we will move on to verse 10. So just verse 9. And when James and Cephas and John who seemed to be pillars, <laughs> perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. So it's, um, I'm thinking about this in Super Bowl terms, you know, this is relevant to Floridians, I suppose, it's there and you're, one of the teams is there. But you think of it in football terms that you go to like the commissioner of football and the top head coaches and you tell them something and say, yeah, you guys seem to be a big deal. Or you go to Tom Brady and Pat Mahomes and go, well, you guys seem to be a big deal. (laughs) That's kind of how he talks about them. They seem to be pillars, (laughs) seem to be pillars. I'm not sure, though. Um, But they heard the stories. They understood, okay, you're right. That's the gospel. This is the gospel. Jesus died for you. He's died for me. And here we go, and gave the right hand of fellowship for them to continue with ministry for Barnabas and Titus and for Paul, and they are to do it in, in all freedom and in joy. Thoughts on that first? Right. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, there, there you go again. Uh, this is what I was trying to say earlier about, you know, we as pastors even today have a, a strong responsibility uh, when it comes to uh, teaching and preaching. Um, the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And so um, there is an accountability even among us uh, that comes back to God's word is what's the authority, not our word. And Paul even says that of himself. I mean, that's what he said in the first chapter. You know, this this doesn't come from me from another man. It doesn't come from my own intellect. He says that in other places too in his letters. And he's trying to get us to understand that the only real truth is that which comes from God. And so when we distort that with our own sinful uh, thoughts and ideas and, and, and so forth, um, then we no longer have the truth. Then we no longer are being guided by the truth. 
And so this idea of having unity based on understanding the truth of the entire uh, Word of God, both the, the functions of the law and of the gospel, is very important. And we see, we see that battle all the way down uh, through the ages, uh, you know, from Luther uh, all the way until even today. Uh, we still have uh, many within the Christian church that believe that there has to be something they can do. People just can't believe that this is truly free. This is free. God did this because of his love and his mercy and grace that he shows towards us. This is not something that's earned at all. And we still feel we need to put our two cents worth in there somehow. Uh, That's how we fell into sin to begin with. Absolutely. So he makes the clear distinction. This is what the gospel is. It's not only affirmed um, in scripture, not only affirmed by the revelation of Jesus to Paul, now it has been affirmed with a gentleman's agreement. And it's not, it's, it's so far beyond a gentleman's agreement. Um, we don't mm-hmm. fully, I mean, even looking at things, we don't fully know what the right hand fellowship meant, but it obviously was a big deal. You know, they didn't have to like cut their hand and, and do blood or something or the blood brother or something like that. But we know that this was a sign of saying we are together and they made sure that the gospel was the gospel. Then there's a unique thing here. We have about four minutes left here, Pastor. Verse 10 brings us to a new place. It's not a stipulation in a salvation sense, but this is a request. This is, you know, we're together um, only, he begins and says the next thing. So verse 10, only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. Very interesting verse to add to this. What would you make of this? Well, I, you know, this is our this is our uh, faith in action. That's exactly what it is now. You know what what it is that we believe now. Now we are free uh, to um, live the law of love in uh, in our lives because of all that Jesus has done, and and so they know that there's this issue, this this problem of the poor that are there in Jerusalem, and of course we hear how Paul addresses that um, even among the Corinthians and uh, talking about the Macedonians and, and so forth. You know, I mean, they, they literally raised funds uh, in, in other places from other brothers and sisters throughout the other churches to actually bring those funds back to help with that particular situation. I think what it shows here is that even though um, there has been this uh, this other gospel that was being preached, it doesn't it doesn't slow down or stop what they're trying to do together. Um, as they're trying to continue to, uh, again, grow in this new understanding for many of them, uh, and then with the Gentiles, not so much. I mean, their their new understanding is just learning about the truth of God and, and the fact that He's come to save them in, in Christ Jesus. But uh, remembering the poor uh, shows that this is who we are as God's people, even even today as Christians. Um, one of the things that we continue to be guided by in our in our uh, in our grace is to follow the law in such a way that we serve God and we serve neighbor out of love and care for them and and so yeah I think this is a, a powerful um, a powerful verse in here to show that now here's faith in action and he, it's never separated. Um, it's never separated. You have a, a very clear distinction, especially for Paul. 
of a distinction of, because in, in Galatians 6, he says similar words, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have the opportunity, let us do good for everyone, especially those in the household of faith. So he's definitely making that connection of mercy, the mercy that showers upon us, the mercy that we in turn are to shower upon others. And Jerusalem knew this. There was a famine. There was problems. I mean, this is where he is, which obviously would have led him to go back and say, hey, let's raise the funds for those in the household of faith and let's care for one another. And Jesus says, anything that you do for the least of my brothers, so you do to me. Pastor, we have about a minute here. Any last things to sum up this great these great verses in chapter 2? Right. So, you know, Paul is really addressing a problem in the church that's still a problem today. I'd mentioned that earlier, this whole problem of legalism and, you know, having something completely different than what God intended for us when it came, comes to the gospel. And so, uh, you know, I, I kind of feel bad because I was already starting to talk about that relationship between law and gospel and justification and the, and all of what goes on there, because uh, that's what's coming up. I mean, that's that's where yeah. you guys are heading tomorrow uh, as you start to move toward, um, you know, uh, Paul's, uh, you know, coming to Peter and addressing this problem. And then uh, there's such a clear, clear discussion about justification and what that means truly. Pastor Curtis Dieterding of Zion Lutheran Church in Fort Myers, Florida, proclaiming the truth of Galatians chapter 2. Pastor Dieterding, thank you for being our guest. It's always a joy. Thank you for having me. Saints of our Lord, the work of the church is for all nations, Jew, Gentile, poor, for our Lord shows no partiality. We ask the Lord to give us generous hearts to serve all people, for it is Christ who has given, who serves us with his forgiveness, life, and salvation. I'm your host, Brady Finnern, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell. Minnesota. Thank you for joining us and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands.